Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Exodus is surely a book of great stories. How many Sunday school lessons have come from these wonderful stories? We do love these stories, but a deeper and far richer appreciation awaits the one willing to go beyond the surface and into these pictures for what they really are, dynamic, vivid portraits of the deep and indescribably rich experience of the living and ever-present Christ in resurrection. Please, Set the next 30 minutes aside for your own spiritual journey with Christ as we see him leading us as he led the children of Israel in the book of Exodus. Joining us for fellowship today as we look once again into the book of Exodus is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you. It's good to be here again. Ron, we've seen over and over in this book of Exodus that it's just one striking picture after another depicting our real spiritual experience of all these rich aspects of Christ. Today, this message will be very much in that same vein. Ron, there are a lot of commentaries on the book of Exodus in the Library of Christian Literature. But in your years of study, have you ever come across anything to help unveil these pictures that can remotely compare with this life study of Exodus that is being brought forth in these broadcasts? No, and I say this with some consideration and with a reasonable amount of familiarity with other studies of the book of Exodus. This study that we're presenting has two outstanding features not found elsewhere. First, this is a life study, the goal of which is to show how the revelation in the Bible, now in particular in Exodus, is for our experience of Christ as life. When we talk about the experience of Christ as life, we mean the triune God in Christ, in resurrection as the life-giving spirit becoming our subjective experience, enjoyment, and supply. The second matter that makes this study distinctive is the emphasis, even the focus, on God's economy. So based upon sound textual study, based upon the study of history and the theological themes, and based especially upon uh, the works of the brethren to unveil the types, we now have a life study, which on the one hand points to the experience of life, and on the other hand has as its practical interpretive center God's economy, that is, God's arrangement to dispense himself as the triune God in Christ into his chosen and redeemed people to produce in them, through them, and with them a corporate expression of himself. Uh, This is the burden and this is also the heart of this wonderful life study of the book of Exodus. I think this is one of those programs that 
very clearly illustrates the point that you're making. As you read Exodus, and obviously some of the so-called high points, the Passover and the Red Sea experience, are clear pictures. Even the Apostle Paul, as we pointed out previously, alluded back to them in Corinthians, particularly the baptism in the Red Sea. But today's story about the children of Israel coming to this place where the waters are bitter and the Lord shows Moses a tree. This one is not nearly so well known, but the significance, once the picture's opened up, is at least as remarkable as those we've seen in these other more well-known stories. This will be shown to be the case as the message is presented, and hopefully also as we comment on it. The implications of the revelation here and application are quite remarkable Well, to get a proper background, let's read a few of these verses to acquaint this uh, situation with all of our listeners. This is Exodus chapter 15 and verses 22 through 25. Then Moses moved Israel onward from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, its name was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to Jehovah, and Jehovah showed him a tree. And he cast it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he tested them. Let's join Witness Lee. This book is a picture book. Whatever it says in this book is a picture portraying the New Testament salvation. The New Testament salvation is too mysterious. Without a picture, it's really hard for us to uh, grasp it in a solid way. So, by His wisdom, the Lord has such a picture book portraying to us in a subtle way, what is his New Testament salvation? After crossing the Red Sea, in a very positive sense, the first stage of God's salvation has been completed. This stage of God's salvation comprises three items. Number one, enjoying Passover lamb. And the Passover was something related to God's judgment. You see, we were under God's judgment. Through the Passover, God's judgment has passed over us. So we enjoy Christ as our Passover. And this was salvation in the first step. Then the Exodus. The Exodus is related to the tyranny of Pharaoh, related to the slavery of the Egyptians, a kind of a tyranny that needs an Exodus. And the children of Israel had it. They had a thorough and full Exodus. The number three, the crossing of the Red Sea. And this is related to destruction of the Egyptian army. You can see by these three items, the Passover, the Exodus, 
and the crossing of the Red Sea. The children of Israel have experienced the first type of God's salvation. Now they are on the other side of the Red Sea. The crossing of the Red Sea typifies the baptism. First Corinthians 10 says all the Israelites were baptized into Moses under the cloud and in the sea. So their crossing of the Red Sea was a full type of today's baptism. And Romans 6 tells us baptism ushers us into resurrection. Baptism is a procedure to bring the believers into Christ's death and get buried there. And then it is through that the believers were resurrected in Christ and with Christ. So after baptism, Romans 6.4 tells us that all the baptized ones should walk in newness of life. In newness of life, actually, it means in resurrection life. The baptized ones should walk in resurrection. We have been brought into Christ's death, and we were buried with him, and with him we were raised up. Now we are in his resurrection. And death of Christ has joined line between this realm and the old realm, just like the Red Sea. The Red Sea has drawn a line between the wilderness and Egypt. Today, we all have to realize baptism has separated us from the world into a realm of resurrection. Ron, we've spent a good amount of time on the three items of this first stage of God's salvation as it's depicted in Exodus. But I'd like to pick up this matter that we heard right at the end of the section regarding the Red Sea being a dividing line. Why do God's people need such a dividing line? Isn't being saved itself enough of a dividing line? It all depends on what you mean by saved. If you mean saved in the narrow sense of being delivered from the righteous judgment of God through faith in the person and work of Christ and in his death on the cross for our sins. If you mean saved in that narrow sense, although it's wonderful, uh, it's not sufficient. If you mean saved in a broader sense, and that broader sense corresponds to the revelation in the Bible, uh, that's another matter. I'm not trying to be clever in any way. But many believers are saved, but not fully saved. Consider the pictures again in Exodus. Uh, You have the Passover, and the blood of the Passover lamb was applied to the doorpost, and God's people were saved from God's judgment. And this typifies our being saved through the redemptive death of Christ and the application of the blood of Christ to us for our forgiveness and our justification by faith, through grace. But the children of Israel were still in Egypt. They were still in bondage. They were still under tyranny. They were still in slavery. 
so they needed to be delivered from Egypt. And they were delivered, but as we all know, Pharaoh and his chariots followed them, and they would have recaptured them had it not been for the decisive experience at the Red Sea, which on the one hand meant the salvation of God's people from the Egyptians. On the other hand, it meant the destruction of Pharaoh and his Egyptian armies. Only by having such a dividing line can we be brought into a realm of separation in resurrection for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Another point I would say this, if we focus only on ourselves, only on our spiritual benefit, only on our personal prosperity, we may see no need for such a dividing line. But if our heart is touched by the Lord's constraining love and we begin to care even a little for God and for God's interests, we will realize that God's economy to have a corporate expression requires a separating line, a dividing line, that we may be delivered from the things that replace God and be redeemed back to God himself, that we may receive his revelation, enjoy his supply, and become his dwelling place. Well, Ron, in this coming section, Israel has now come through the Red Sea, and their destination, ultimately, the good land, is directly to the north. And surely their anticipation is that's where we're headed next. But following the Lord... They end up going a different direction. Let's join Witness Lee. I thought from here, God would lead them upward. But God still lead them downward. Southward, you see? Going to where? Going to Arabia? The Persian Gulf? Why God live this way? Because here, there's no marrow. M-A-R-A-H. Marrow. What marrow means? means bitterness. When you are walking in the newness of life, when you are walking in the realm of resurrection, God will lead you to marrow, will lead you into bitterness. Before God led you into bitterness, you try to find water. Here it says, you found no water. In the realm of resurrection, there's no natural water. No natural supply. They found no water, yet the cloud still led them on. Led them on to a place where there were waters. Lots of waters. They were happy. But all the waters there were bitter. Firstly, they didn't find water. Lastly, they found waters. They were happy for a while. Eventually, they discovered all bitter waters. So all began to murmur, complain, Moses, Moses, what you did? What you did? Why you have led us here? Of course, there's not such a record. If I were Moses there, I would say, don't complain to me. Moses was good. He was a real servant of the Lord. He didn't argue. He didn't exchange word with these complaining, murmuring people. He's a cry to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. It's altogether strange. Showed him a tree. In the wilderness, there was a tree. 
No water but a tree. A bitter water doesn't grow anything. But a tree was there. Ron, it's really interesting as you follow this section. The Lord, seen by the children of Israel as the pillar of cloud, has led the people through the Red Sea and also defended them against Pharaoh and his armies. Now, this same cloud leads them away from their expected direction and brings them to a place where the waters are bitter. Uh, They must have been disappointed, and I think we maybe can relate to this. Is this something that we also experience from time to time as we genuinely follow the Lord? Uh, Yes, it is. Paul's word in 1 Corinthians 10 points to this, and I'm referring to his statement that the history of Israel is a type of us, and the us there denotes the believers in Christ living in the church life. And so that picture clearly indicates that as we are following the Lord together in the church life as the expression of the body of Christ, we will be led, I say this deliberately, we will be led into these kind of situations. They don't happen by accident. Well, why would the Lord lead us into a situation of temporary bitterness? I would suggest two reasons. The first and primary reason is that this is an opportunity for the Lord to manifest himself in a particular way. We need to realize that the Lord is always looking for occasions and opportunities to reveal himself to us through the word, to manifest himself to us, to make himself real to us for our experience. A second factor is that, honestly, we need to be exposed in our need of the Lord, of his supply, of his healing, of his salvation, needs to be brought to light. Uh, The more we need the Lord, the more we cry out to the Lord, the more, on the one hand, the Lord will manifest himself, and on the other hand, the more we will experience him. Well, the Lord has not led them to this place of bitter waters without providing a remedy. And the remedy is a little surprising, I think, even for Moses. Let's go back to Witness Lee. This just 15 New Testament revelation and 15 our experience. And what is this tree? Peter tells us the cross of the Lord Jesus on which he died for us and which crucified him to death was the tree. The cross of the Lord is the healing tree. Of course, you shouldn't suggest the cross. The cross is not healing tree. You must say the cross of Christ. The cross with Christ. This cross is the unique cross. This cross is the healing cross. Not the cross as the death penalty by Roman Emperor government. That cross is not the healing tree, but the cross of the Lord Jesus, on which he was crucified. And this cross with the Lord Jesus is the healing tree. And Moses saw that. And Moses cast that tree into the bitter waters. And the bitter waters all were made sweet. I don't need to go to say too much. Check with your own experiences. After being baptized, you were walking in newness of life. That means you were walking in resurrection. The more you walk, the more trouble you have. On the one hand, 
You were the complaining people. On the other hand, you were also the crying Moses. You, one rule, R-O-L-E, played two parties. You complained, you murmured firstly, then you cried to the Lord. You prayed. Firstly, what should I drink? You say, what should I do? What can I do here? You complain. Then eventually, you are compelled to cry to the Lord. Lord, you cried to the Lord. You prayed in your prayer. A vision came in that vision by seeing the cross with the Lord Jesus crucified there. When you saw this vision and you accepted the cross into your bitter circumstances, the bitter circumstances right away became sweet. This picture can be fully interpreted according to New Testament verses and can be confirmed with our experiences. Well, Ron, after being led to the place of bitter waters, Moses is shown a tree, and he casts the tree into the waters, and they become sweet. Witness Lee tells us that all we need to interpret this passage is our own experience of Christ. According to the normal Christian experience, Ron, more than theology or doctrine, what is the tree that turns our bitter waters sweet? In 1 Peter chapter 2, we have the use of the word tree to signify the cross on which our dear Lord was crucified. So this tree refers to the cross. Uh, This tree, we may say, signifies the crucified Christ. But the emphasis is surely on the cross. On the cross, the Lord Jesus died an all-inclusive death for our redemption. We know from various passages of the scriptures, this redemptive death includes our healing because illnesses are very often related to our fallen condition, to our sinfulness, to our habit, sorry to say, of living in the self. So, Here we have, in picture form, two vital and crucial matters related to the crucified Christ. I really love this word, and we read it earlier, that the Lord showed Moses a tree. This indicates that we need a spiritual vision, uh, a revelation and understanding of the cross. We should not be content with an elementary or superficial or narrow view of the cross. Uh, All manner of things were dealt with there, not only sins, but sin and the self and the old man and the old creation and the devil and the, the world and the kingdom of Satan and the principalities and powers and also diseases and illnesses. So we need to see this tree, this cross. But simply seeing it, apart from application, does not solve our problem. So we need an application of the cross, of the crucified Christ, to our bitterness. 
whether that bitterness is in an environment, whether it's part of a relationship, or it's an inner subjective bitterness in the three parts of our being, spirit, soul, and body, related to some painful or offensive or troubling or difficult life experience. The fact is, both outwardly in our environment and often in our relationships, as well as in our being, there's bitterness. We not only need the bitterness itself to go away for the waters to become sweet, we need the underlying matter to be healed. We, in the midst of our bitter situations, can have a vision of the cross and in and through the Spirit apply the crucified Christ, Christ with the cross, to our situation and then experience something quite wonderful, healing, an inner and practical healing. I just say amen, Ron. Thank you once again for a wonderful fellowship today. You're welcome. We'll be back with more portions from Witness Lee speaking in 1979 and 80 and our own fellowship. Today for Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. To contact us, please call toll-free 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.